everybody. My name is Bill Kiefer, and I want to welcome you to our podcast, Practical Wisdom from the Word of God. I believe the Bible is a book that God gave to us that's full of insights, wisdom, promises, and many other things that help us live daily life. So join me for the next few minutes as we look into the Word of God to find that practical wisdom we need today. Should the enemy try to condemn our fight, his righteousness will Well, praise God. Welcome again to Practical Wisdom from the Word of God. My name is Bill Kiefer, and I want to thank you for joining us today. We've been talking about some things that I believe are important as we look forward to the next year. We're at the end of 2021. It was maybe better than 2020 in a lot of ways, but still not where we want it to be. And as I was praying for next year, I began to see something uh, that God was dealing with me about, and I've been talking about it really for the last number of weeks. And that that is that we have great potential in God. And today, as I was praying, I really felt like the Lord said, that is the theme for my life for next year, releasing God's potential. You know, God has invested in us. He's He's caused us uh, through Jesus Christ, if we've received him as Lord and Savior, we've been born again. We are new creatures in Christ Old things have passed away, all things have become new, and that means that we're something that really never existed before. And so uh, as we go into 2022, looking at the last number of years and all of the things that have happened and pressures that have come against so many of us, I believe that next year is a year for us to begin to release the potential that's inside of us through the new birth and according to the Word of God. Now, last time I talked to you about this idea of potential energy, and that means energy that's stored but not yet released. Uh, We see it in a number of ways. I talked about the soapbox derby races. You may not be aware of them. I don't know if they even still do them, but they were uh, sponsored really by the Boy Scouts, and I think maybe it was not the Boy Scouts. They did the Pinewood Derby. Same idea, but at any rate, the soapbox derby. There were wooden cars that the, the participants made themselves, usually with dad's help, a lot of dad's help. And uh, they would put them at the top of a long hill, and in front of them would be a board. And while they sat against that board, they had stored or potential energy. When the board came down, the energy that was stored in them, because uh, they were being pulled downhill by gravity, uh, was was converted to kinetic energy, and they would go downhill. We looked at it in, this, in the idea of an automobile, where gasoline has potential energy. It's energy that can be released, but has not yet been released. You put it in your tank, you're putting potential in your tank. Hallelujah. And when you turn on that engine, the engine is designed to process the gasoline to release the potential energy into other forms of energy, one of which through the transmission becomes kinetic energy and it moves your car forward. I believe God has placed in us tremendous potential energy and there's something called faith. Faith is, if you will, God's potential energy stored in the Word of God. There is the the spiritual energy that's stored in God's Word and that's potentially able to produce major changes, wonderful things in our lives, but that energy has to be released. And so we've been talking about this from a number of different perspectives, one of which we'll get to uh, today a little bit more, but uh, I want us to understand something. And there, this is something that's very, very important if we're, gonna, if we're going to have the proper attitudes and the proper balance in our lives. 
Uh, God loves us. Hallelujah. And God is concerned about our lives. And God has given us all things, the Bible says, pertaining to life and godliness. That's in 2 Peter chapter 1. But in all of that, we need to understand that faith is resting in that reality. If I'm going to walk by faith, if I'm going to release God's potential in my life, the first thing I've got to know and I've got to be established in is I rest in God's love. The Bible speaks in Hebrews chapter 4 about a rest. We, we had, there's a rest that's been granted to us, a rest that's been provided for us. Paul says, depending on who you believe wrote Hebrews, but the writer of Hebrews said in that chapter that there was a rest that Israel never entered into, even though they went into Canaan, there was something else. And I believe that something else is the rest in our faith in Jesus Christ, in the new birth, that God has put those things in us. And we have to realize, faith begins with rest. It doesn't begin with work, okay? Now, that means that we have to be so absolutely grounded that we know that Whatever we need, God is going to do in our lives. Many times there are things that he does that we don't have anything to do with, meaning we, or, you know, we're not believing for it or we haven't stood on the promises or we haven't confessed the word, all the things we're going to talk about a little bit uh, as we get into this. But God will do things that are beyond what we understand. They're beyond even sometimes, I believe God can do things that are beyond, not contradictory to. Now hear me, I'm not saying he does things outside of the Bible, I'm saying that sometimes he does things beyond our understanding of what's in the Bible and beyond what he's revealed to us because he's gone. He can do anything he wants to do. And to rest in that truth. Uh, Many years ago, not many years ago, it's probably about 2014, I was coming to the end of my rope about some things. We were pastoring. Uh, you know, if you, if those of you out there, if you're a pastor, you know that money is always an issue. We don't like to be carnal, but folks, you just have to pay the bills. If you've got a building, you've got to heat it, air condition it, depending on where you live, you have to light it. There are things you need to do, things, resources that you have to have. And, uh, you know, I was in this thing full time and I had three other full-time people and two part-time people that I had to pay. So there was some pressure on me to, to believe God for the finances. And I was sometimes I would get so stuck on trying to believe him that, that it would be a, a, a more of a stress to me. Now, you know, faith is not supposed to be about stress. Hallelujah. And so as I'm stressing about this and I'm coming to the end, uh, I think it was the end of 2014, and I said to God, if you don't do something soon, I'm going to have to do something. And that was a stupid thing to say, by the way. Don't, don't say those things to God. And he began to deal with me about did I or did I not trust him? Did I or did I not believe that he would do all the things he said he would do? And he began to, to show me in the word and, and open up to me again in the word, this idea that first and foremost, faith is a rest. Uh, one of the things that, that I think is important that we understand is that we're not just believing something. We're not even just believing principles. I'm going to talk about those principles. I'm going to talk about our responsibility, but we're not just believing in the principles of the Word of God. We are believing in the God of the Word of God. So it has to start there. Faith is a matter of relationship. And if we don't understand that, then we can get into doing all the things I'm going to talk about, and we're going to have the wrong perspective. We're not going to see it the right way. We're going to be working instead of resting and responding and building 
what God says that we should uh, we should do in the Word. There are there are works. The Bible says faith without works is dead. James tells us that. But what are those works? What are the nature of them? And what is the foundation of them? The foundation is we work because we know Him. Uh, the centurion that Jesus spoke of. Uh, he came to Jesus and said, I need you to heal my servant. Jesus said, I'm happy to come to your house, the centurion, which he shouldn't have done as a Jew, but Jesus didn't really live on uh, in those confines. And the centurion said, you don't need to do that because I know that I'm a man in authority. I tell somebody to do it and it gets done. I see the same thing in you. But he didn't say in authority. He actually said, I'm a man under authority. And what he recognized was who Jesus really was. Can I just tell you, Jesus is God Almighty. Jesus is the Word made flesh. Jesus was with God. Jesus was God in creation. Jesus is the Lord of the church. Jesus can do anything, and we need to just trust him and believe him and understand who he is, and then we can start to look at the principles that God put in the Word. And that brings me to my next point uh, of the balance of this thing. There there are some that kind of feel like uh, at this point, I think, because uh, there got to be some some uh, out of balance things dealing with the principles of God and our part in that, and you know what happens is we think that there are things that we need to do, and we're going to talk about many of them. Uh, there are basic things: meditate the word, confess the word, and act on the word. But sometimes we do those things trying to convince ourselves that we have faith or trying to force God to do what he already wants to do. That's not what it's about. Developing and building faith, our part of it is to build that connection, to to change our our perspective. And faith, the Bible says, comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So the more we hear what God says, the more something happens inside of us. One of the things that we need to remember is the Word of God is not just a natural book. We're not just reading about somebody. We are reading somebody. We are tapping into who and what he is. And the more we put that into our heart, get it beyond deep, deeper than just our brain, down inside of us, the more the power that's in that can be released. So that's what we're really talking about. We're not talking about convincing God to do anything. You don't have to convince him to do anything. You do, we do, I believe, have to build some things into our lives so that that faith can flow out, that potential energy can be converted into a spiritual kinetic energy, if you will, that will change us inwardly, change us outwardly, affect our circumstances, and affect the people around us. That's what we're really talking about as we get into these things. So don't act or don't confess or don't uh, even read and meditate the Word to get uh, to prove you have faith, but do it to build what God has already put inside of you and to open that connection. You know, sometimes uh, we have water pressure that's not good. Uh, the water pressure is low. Sometimes that's because there's there's stuff in the pipe. And we need to, if you will, clear the pipes. And electricity, which I see as a really a natural parallel to faith. Electricity does all kinds of things. Right now, electricity is recording my voice. It's it's lighting the room. It's doing a bunch of different stuff. It's 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 powering what I'm reading uh, in terms of the Word of God because I use a tablet, and so it does a lot of things. But you know what electricity needs is a connection. And if the connection is not good, even though there may be power there, the power is hindered. What we're talking about is building into our life the kind of connection with God 
and the kind of, of connection to what God wants for us, and let me I, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but building that connection so that what the, the potential energy that is there because of our relationship with him can be translated outwardly into the world. So we need to rest in faith, but that does not mean that we don't have a part to play. I think it is so important for us to remember that not only is God going to move in our lives, not is he going to only is he going to meet our needs and help us because he loves us, but he is our father and he wants us to grow up in him as his dear children. Sometimes we get the idea, if we're not careful, while we're resting in his love and care for us, that he wants us to be eternal babies. He doesn't want us to be eternal babies. Matter of fact, in Revelation, it tells us that we are supposed to rule and reign with him for a thousand years. You can see that in Revelation 20, verse 6. Well, listen, babies don't rule and reign. God is preparing us for something. Everything we face here in life is real, and it's important, and we need to deal with it, and probably the most important thing we need to do is bring more people into God's family. But I'm not minimizing today, but I will say today is not just about today. There is a future in God. You know, uh, the point of Christianity is that we're going to go to heaven, but I don't think heaven would be much of a place considering how God made us. He put us in a garden. He gave us a job. Hallelujah. I don't think heaven would be much of a place if all we did was sit around for all eternity playing a harp, doing nothing, having nothing to fulfill us, having nothing that, that's important that God's called us to. I believe God is going to put us uh, into a place where we have a more fulfilling life, where we have more responsibility, where we have more that we can affect for the positive than we do now. So if we're going to come to that place, if we're going to rule and reign for a thousand years, we need to grow up and start and stop being babies in Christ and start being children of God. That's what he wants us to be. I thank God that my children have grown up and that they have taken on ministry responsibilities and that they've done uh, taken on families and that they've taken on jobs and all the things that we do as human beings. I'm thankful that they didn't stay babies, that I have to keep feeding and that I have to just, you know, uh, make Make sure that I provide all their needs. <laughs> it would be a problem if I had to provide all their needs. Now, God can, but he wants us to be a participant. Uh, many ways in which we see this, we talked about John chapter 9. There was a father that came to Jesus, and he needed healing for his son, and a lot of things happened. It came to the part, uh, place where his uh, expectancy got so low that, that he said to Jesus, listen, if you can do anything for us, Jesus finally showed up. He said, if you can do anything for us, please help us. Now, that was different than the kind of faith that motivated him to be there in the first place, I believe. But what Jesus' response was implied something. He said, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. See, there was a, a part that this father had to play, a role that he had to play. If he couldn't believe, it did not make the connection that would enable Jesus to do what, what uh, he wanted Jesus to do. Now, for some, if you look at it just on the surface, that sounds harsh. But remember, God wants us to grow. There was God knows more than we do, too. And there was something involved in this situation that Jesus needed something from that man in Nazareth that said that he could do no mighty works because of their unbelief. 
There's something that we have to do. There's a part that we have to play. It must be founded on resting and relaxing in our relationship with him, but there is more to it than that. Another thing that points to that is the fact in 2 Peter 1, 2-4, he says that we are partakers of the divine nature through these great and precious promises. 1 Corinthians or 2 Corinthians 1, 20 says that all the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ. Why give us promises? And there are many, many more places and many more uh, things that point to that and many, 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 many promises. Why give us promises if he's just going to do whatever and seize everything that we are uh, that we need? He does, and he will help us, and he will move in our lives. But why give us promises if we had no part to play? I believe we do. I think we need to believe those promises. Uh, Mark eleven twenty four. Jesus said, Whatsoever we desire when we pray... We must believe that we already have what we ask, and then we will see it. We, we have a part to play. Uh, The Bible speaks of the full armor of God, that we need to put on the full armor of God, that we might be able to overcome in the evil day. We have to put it on. Uh, Paul talks throughout his letters about our responsibilities in the Christian life. Put on the new man. Put off the old man. We, we are called to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. All of these things imply something, and that is God wants us to be involved. I don't know about you. Uh, I know some have had experiences where they felt like they failed, and this is, you know, you don't look at this as, as just failure and success. Uh, many times we run into things and we're, we're doing our best we, to do what we know to do, and things don't work out the way we want them to. Sometimes it's because we want what God doesn't want. God has a real problem doing what we want when it's not what he wants. Uh, sometimes there's timing involved. Sometimes we're not ready to receive. All kinds of reasons, but if we're not careful when we do seem to have faith failures, and I don't think we ever do. I think if we just stay with it, we win in the end. But when we seem to, we can say, well, I did all that confession stuff. I did all that believing stuff. I did all that. That just doesn't work. I'm just going to sit here, and whatever comes in life, I'm going to have to accept it and believe that God's going to do something about it. But, uh, you know, if he does, he does. If he doesn't, he doesn't. I need to be Uh, I need to be a Christian through it all. That part's true. Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He meant I can be a Christian no matter what's happening in my life. And that part's true. But God gave us something. God gave us principles. God gave us promises in his word. Why did he do that? Because he says, son, daughter, not only am I there for you, not only will I never leave you nor forsake you, but I want you to be a participant. You know, he told his disciples, you go into all the world, preach the gospel. And then in Mark 16, it says, when they went, that the word, uh, the, the spirit of God rather was with them, confirming the word with signs following. If they don't go, the word is not confirmed, you see, because it's not presented. If we don't go, now, that involves preaching the gospel, and that's part of it, too. We need to do that by faith. We need to act on faith. The Bible says, Jesus said, the fields are white unto harvest. If we believe that, we'll go out into the fields and not get put off by the fact that people are saying no. Don't worry about that. You do your part. Let God do his part. But if we don't go, if we don't believe, if we don't build that promise into our heart. There's something that happens when we meditate in the Word. There's a connection between the inner man and the outer man, and the inner man begins to get stronger. The outer man begins to come into its proper perspective, and we're able to do things that we weren't able to do before. I like knowing. 
See, some people don't. Some people just, I think, you know, part of it is our entitlement society, that we're entitled to everything, so we shouldn't have to do anything. God's just going to do it. Well, God will do it. But I like the fact that I'm not just subject to whatever happens around me, that I don't have to just sit here and say, oh, God, I'm, I'm just, you know, bad things are happening. Listen, God gave me a promise. I can go to that promise. Uh, uh, Philippians 4.19 says, my God will supply all my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And so when it doesn't look like my needs are being provided for, I got a promise I can go to. I can think about that promise, meditate on that promise, speak that promise, act on that promise, and in the case of that one, by giving. And as I do that, something is released. That potential in me is released. Now, I want to get to introduce at least (laughs) what the scripture was from today. Uh, Sometimes I get carried away on other things, but I felt like it was important before we even take this next step that we understand the relationship between resting faith and active faith, and that's really what I'm talking about. We need to build our life resting on on the goodness of God, on the love of God, but then when we are active, we can be active as we believe in the promises and principles of God. One of the most important things you'll develop, and we touched on this. I was actually going to go into some other things, which I will, but one of the most important things that will release our potential in God is developing a lifestyle of thanksgiving. And so just very quickly, I want to introduce a thought and add to what we've already said about that, uh, because I believe that there are keys. Now, we need that lifestyle. We need to not just, you know, have Thanksgiving holiday or just be thankful when something good happens. I believe we need to be proactively thankful. We need to thank God for what he has done. We need to thank God for what he is doing, even if we don't know what it is. And we need to thank God for what he will do. And part of that involves just being thankful. I, I Sometimes I have to work on that because I can get a little bit negative now. Yeah, I know. We're, those of us that do this kind of thing aren't supposed to be, have any weaknesses, but I'm sorry, we do. And so uh, uh, sometimes I have, a, I have a problem with that. I need to cultivate being thankful for whatever's around me, being thankful for what God has is and will do. And so how do we do that? How do we cultivate that Thanksgiving lifestyle? And we're going to look at this over the next uh, couple of podcasts uh, from Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse 4. I'm, I'm going to read verse 4 today, but it will go down through verse uh, verse probably 8, I think, or 9. Anyway, uh, verse 4 says this. Here's the first thing that we need to do if we're going to cultivate a Thanksgiving lifestyle. Paul This is a greeting, but it's more than a greeting. He says to the people of the church uh, at Philippi, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again, I will say rejoice. I love how that comes out. He's really pointing out something important here. He says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And I believe it's the old King James says all way. Now, in every way, we can say all the time or in everything or in every way. Any way and every time and everything, all of them work. We need to be a rejoicing people. And then he says it again. Again, I don't want you to forget this. I will say rejoice. How can I cultivate a lifestyle of thanksgiving? I believe step one is to uh, to build up uh, and develop the skill and habit of rejoicing. Now, what does rejoicing mean? Rejoicing uh, in the English, uh, a synonym is to celebrate. 
when we're celebrating, we're in a, a holiday season, and so we have Christmas parties, we have New Year's parties, and, and there's a celebration. Well, what do you do when you celebrate? I know on New Year's Eve, everybody counts down and watches the ball in Times Square drop, and at the, at the turn of the year, everybody shouts, Happy New Year! There is something about releasing. There is something about stirring up. The, the word translated from the Greek out of Strong's, it's a primary verb that means to be cheerful. Not cheerful, cheer full or full of cheer. And it, it can be a state of being kind of verb where I rejoice because uh, uh, something good has happened to me. Uh, I am rejoicing because I am happy. But it's also an action verb. You see, rejoice is something we do. Hallelujah. Now, it can be done as a response, but I believe what Paul is saying to these people here goes deeper than that. He's saying, rejoice, people. Doesn't matter what's going on. It doesn't matter what you're facing. You need to cultivate the habit of rejoicing. What does rejoicing mean? One uh, definition, and I can't remember where I got it, but it's there somewhere. It says to spin around wildly, to dance. There's, there, it's an outward expression of what we feel inwardly, but it can also be an outward expression of things that we don't feel. Uh, Strong's talking Greek and Hebrew dictionary says that the praise says that praise and thanksgiving cannot be separated. If we're going to be thankful, we need to praise, and praising is rejoicing. Uh, in Hebrews thirteen fifteen, it says, "Let us offer up the sacrifice of praise, which is the fruit of our lips." Well, when and how is praise a sacrifice? It's a sacrifice when you don't want to praise. It's a sacrifice when you look all around you and the world seems to be going to the bad place in a handbag and uh, you can't figure out one thing to rejoice about, one thing to be happy about. We're not talking about happy here. Rejoice. Happiness and joy are two different things. Happiness is outwardly centered. Joy flows from our heart. And for a Christian, Jesus said, my joy I give, into you, give unto you. Hallelujah. So for a Christian, it flows from our inner man. So rejoicing, how is that important to cultivating a life of thanksgiving? Because when I am not thankful, I need to start rejoicing. You know, in our church, uh, one of the things that we've been known for for the 40 years we've been around is our music, but not just our music, not that it's good music. I, I think if it's good music alone, then it's pretty much weak. But what we were known for was praise and worship. Now, a lot of people today, they go right to worship, and that's the part where we get quiet and we get in the presence of God, and that's very, very important. But you know, we discount the power of praise. Praise is when we declare God's goodness. Praise is when we rejoice before him. Praise is when we celebrate who he is and what he is to us, even when we don't feel it. If we will do that, now we would give 45 minutes to sometimes an hour at the beginning of the service, and we would do that. We would praise God. Sometimes we got to worship, and sometimes we just spent the whole time declaring the victory in Jesus, declaring what God has done in our lives. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised in the uh, in the city of our God, in the mountain of His holiness. We'd sing things like that. And as we sung those things, we were building up our awareness and our confidence in who God was, and the rejoicing outwardly would tap in to the joy inwardly, and it would come come out. And you know what comes out when there's rejoicing and and uh, and praise? Thanksgiving. 
Thanksgiving always follows. The more you praise God, the more you rejoice in who he is, God begins to bring back to your mind what he's done in your life, how he's moved in your life. And that rejoicing releases a potential, hallelujah, in us into uh, or to produce that Thanksgiving attitude. But see, if we leave it at church, then it's just going to be there at church. But what we need to do is we need to take that rejoicing out into our daily lives. Now, it may not take the form of shouting like, like it does in our church or singing, but it can take the form of just positively declaring that something good is happening around us, that, that we are, uh, that we are, we can be happy, we are joyful because we know Jesus. Wouldn't that do something for people? We are living in a negative, uh, surly, sullen world, and we are to be the light of that world. We are to be different from everybody else, and one of the ways is to cultivate rejoicing, which leads to thanksgiving, and the more we give thanks, the more we want to rejoice, and the more we do that, the more we're opening up that tremendous potential that God placed in our lives. Very quickly, one story that we read about in the Bible is Paul was in jail, again in this city of Philippi, and uh, he he had been thrown in, the Bible says, to the deepest dungeon. Listen, he didn't go into some county holding cell, okay? He went into a dark, wet, damp, nasty place, and he was chained down there. He and Silas, and there were other prisoners. And while he was down there, at midnight, at midnight, at the darkest hour, he begins to praise God. He begins to sing hymns. He begins to sing songs to the glory of God. And I don't know if the the, the other prisoners who may not have been Jewish participated, but they may have. I think Paul led a song service down there, glory to God, right in the deepest part of the prison. He didn't know what God was going to do, but he knew that God was going to do something. And as he rejoiced. Something happened. The Bible says there was an earthquake. The doors opened up. The chains fell off. Now, how would an earthquake take the chains off their hands and feet? I don't know. That was God. That was just God moving in on their rejoicing. You see, as we rejoice, it also opens up a channel for God to flow through. As we rejoice over the promises of God, it opens up a channel for God to flow through into our circumstances and situations. Now, would that have happened if they hadn't rejoiced? Going back to our earlier thought, uh, their faith, Paul's faith, rested in his relationship with God and his love for God. But I believe God moved in him. I don't know that God told him to do it, but I think when he did it, that was a release of his faith because he knew that his time wasn't over, and he knew that God was going to do something, and so he began to praise God for it. And when he did, now maybe it would have happened if they hadn't, but I don't believe it would have. Now, it doesn't say that, but I think it happened because Paul chose to praise God. I think that opened a door, and uh, uh, the rejoicing became the voice of faith that unlocked the potential that was already within them. It bridged the gap between the physical reality that they were living and the spiritual reality that they were praising God for. And when that happened, no chains, inward or outward, could outward could hold them, and that's what we're talking about. Coming to that place where there's something so strong going on inwardly, where our faith reaches beyond what we can see, beyond what we can feel, most of the time it's going to reach to a promise, and we'll talk about that more. But, uh, but it also releases out into our relationship with God and opens a door. Listen, we don't live in a world that is, uh, that is friends with God. We live in a world that is at odds with 
with God. We have an adversary. Uh, Peter calls him the devil. And when we allow ourselves to rejoice in the middle of problems, when we offer the sacrifice of praise, that's one of the most powerful things we can do to release our potential in God. You try it. Try it this week. I, you know, I have to remind myself every now and then when I'm, you know, when I want to and sometimes do. Come on, you do too. Walk around the house with the mumble and grumble in my mouth. Uh, just you try. And I have recently, and some things have really begun to change in my attitude and my thinking and my faith. The potential energy that's in me is beginning to rise. Hallelujah. Just like the gasoline in that car goes through that engine and, get, and, and gets connected. The engine gets connected to the transmission, which gets connected to the wheels. And the more we put the pedal to the metal, the more the car goes forward. And the same is true when we actively rejoice. If we rejoice when we don't feel it, it will release the joy of the Lord within us. And that is part of the key, one of the first keys to living and developing a, a lifestyle and a heart of thanksgiving. Well, I'm out of time, went over a little bit. God bless you. Have a great day in the Lord. We'll talk to you soon. This podcast is an outreach of Living Word International, a division of Intercession Ministries. If you'd like to contact us, please email livingwordintgreen at gmail.com. That's livingwordintgreen. G-R-E-E-N-E at gmail.com. Have a great day.